You may have noticed that I was filming the baptistry, baptistry earlier. We are going to have a baptism in the second service today. So if you uh, are compelled to see baptisms take place, then you could come to the second service and see one take place. There's a fellow who uh, has been coming for a while with a lady that some of you may know because she attended Western named Sherry Malm, and her boyfriend, Wayne Zacharias, is going to be baptized today. He and I had a great uh, time on Friday, just sitting down for a couple of hours and studying and talking, and it was, uh, it was rich. It was wonderful, and he's decided that he wants to do that, and that's just a really good thing. I wanted to mention, too, that uh, today there, not today, sorry, on September 7th, there is a special seminar taking place in our building. It's a Saturday morning from 9 until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, hemorrhaging faith. And when you think of hemorrhaging, you think of something that has burst open. And the idea here is that something has burst open and it's not good. And what it is, is faith leaking out. Rather than being filled with faith, our young people are in many cases leaking faith and not as faithful as they should be. And so this seminar is going to talk about how families can do their best to put their children in a position of faithfulness. And I really encourage you to be here. James Penner is the speaker. James uh, has written this book, Hemorrhaging Faith. He's become known across Canada as an expert on Canadian youth culture. And so he's going to be talking about Canadian youth culture and talking about uh, keeping our children faithful. And it's going to be a great time. I encourage you to invite friends. I encourage you to uh, come yourself, talk to other people you know, who, especially those who are parents and young parents, and you're going to be blessed by James Pennern and what he does. I had a chance to hear him a few months back, and it was, uh, it was excellent, and that's why we asked him to come and do what he's doing. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? It is a tragedy when human beings disagree with or are out of step with God. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? That it's a tragedy when human beings are out of step with or disagree with God. And I have an opinion about this that might surprise you. When someone disagrees with God, they are tempted to go down a path of behavior that potentially causes a break in relationship with him. That's one of the problems. If you disagree with God, then you're tempted to go down a path of behavior that is going to put you in potentially in a position where you're going to break relationship with him if you go down that path. That's a problem. When someone disagrees with God, they are tempted to live in such a way that ultimately actually hurts God and hurts others and hurts the sinner. And with all of those people being hurt by a potential behavior, then to be out of agreement with or out of step with God is going to cause some hurt for sure. When someone disagrees with God, they're tempted to live in such a way that prevents him or her from fulfilling God's design for their highest potential. And so if you live out of sync with God, then the fact is you can't be the best that you can be. We talk a lot about that in our world today. Be the best you can be. And I would say that if you want to be the best you can be, then don't find yourself in disagreement with God or out of step with his will, because otherwise you're not going to be the best that you can be. I always tell people when I perform a wedding ceremony, if you want to be a great spouse, 
If you want to be a great husband, if you want to be a great wife, the best that you can possibly be, then don't love your spouse first. Instead, love God first. And if you love God first and you have that great relationship with him, then you can be the best spouse that you can be. When someone disagrees with God, at least in some ways, his or her view of the world is actually distorted, deceived, or damaged so that his or her perspective is at odds with created order. And so one of the things that happens when a person disagrees with God is that they're out of sync with everything else. You can't be in sync with the world in terms of its nature and all that God designed it to be if you're out of step with God because he created the created order. It's his. He superintends it. He designed it a certain way. And if you're out of step with that, then you're out of step with God. When someone disagrees with God, he or she will experience unrest because of that. And you just can't find ultimate peace and ultimate joy and ultimate rest if you're also out of step with God. Now that's one of the problems, or I should say those are about five of the problems, with disagreeing with God or being out of step with him. Now there's another thing here that happens. The fact is, is that disagreeing with God is completely different than being in disagreement with another human being. Some of you this morning are in disagreement with each other. We have husbands and wives here who did not agree on everything in the last week. And there are consequences to that. You felt something that didn't feel very comfortable within you when you were in disagreement with your spouse this week. You were arguing about whatever, and it didn't feel good. Or maybe you were in disagreement with your boss, or you were in disagreement with a coworker, or you were in disagreement with a child. And none of that felt very good. And being in disagreement at that level was terrible. But I guarantee you being in disagreement with God is worse. When you disagree with God, you're not correct in any way. And at least when you disagree with somebody else, there's a possibility that maybe you are somehow both right. Or maybe you're somehow both wrong. But when you disagree with God, you are wrong And God is right. And so actually, it's just like being in disagreement with your spouse because they know they're right. But in that case, they'd also think they were God. And and I'm sure there were some times in the last two weeks when you thought they thought they were God. That could be the case. When you disagree with another human being, the results are tragic. Maybe a relationship is broken in some way, but it's not as tragic as being out of sync with God. That's an ultimate kind of tragedy, far greater than when you disagree with another human being. Well, what about when we also disagree not only with each other, but we disagree on what we think God thinks? Now we're in the position... Now Michael and I are thinking that we're in agreement with God. But one of us is actually in disagreement with each other about that. And so I think I've got it totally right with God. But I disagree with him. And he thinks he's got it totally right with God. But he disagrees with me. Then all of a sudden, our disagreement with each other becomes really significant. Which one of us is out of sync with God? Which one of us is not walking as God would want us to walk? 
and that's an important question. Well, I got to tell you, all of this in terms of disagreement with God is a huge tragedy. It's a tragedy when we disagree with God. And this morning, I want to talk about one of the ways in which our world forces us sometimes to be in disagreement with God. And it has to do with this. It has to do with being family. In our time, a monstrous change has taken place. And it has to do with how we think of family. What is family? What is family supposed to be like? What is God's design for family as opposed to the world's design for family? And what I'm thinking is that the world's design for family is in fact hugely in disagreement with God. And the fact is, you can't be in agreement with the way that the world thinks about family and still be in line with how God thinks about family because the world has gone so far off the rails in terms of the way that it thinks about family. It's been completely distorted. Let me show you the picture in Genesis. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And I I wish... I almost wish that this last sentence said something differently. I wish that it said, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were in total agreement with God. Because that's how I think this really means, what this really means. The idea is they're walking and talking and being what God wants them to be. There is at this point relationship between themselves and God. And my point this morning is pretty simple. The point is, is that God has created this kind of basic design or format or scheme for families and that the world's distortion of this basic design is simply not in agreement with God. And I think that's a tragedy for the reasons that I stated earlier. When people are in disagreement with God, it doesn't work very well. And ultimately, people can't be the people that God wanted them to be. They can't be happy. They can't be filled with joy. They can't have all the things that God designed for them if they are at the same time out of sync with, in disagreement with God, and certainly not in terms of his design for family. Now, by the way, sometimes after I preach a sermon on family or something, I'll have somebody who's single come up to me and say, you know, that really didn't touch me where I was at. (laughs) Like you're talking about family, you're talking about mom and dad and the kids, and I'm single been single all my life. I'm 52 and I'm single. This doesn't really hit me between the eyes. Why are you consistently talking about that? And I want you to know I get that. I understand that. The fact is, is that those who get married and who enter families oftentimes find themselves challenged in ways that the single is not. There are ways in which a single person can be in line with God's will for his or her life in a way that's even easier, even more in in a fuller way than those who are in families. So don't think that I'm saying that the only way that a person can live life successfully before God is to be married and have children and all of the typical family stuff. That's not at all the case. Paul makes that 
explicitly clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Adam himself was created in a position where he was in relationship with God. The problem was not that he wasn't fulfilling what God wanted him to be. The problem was he was simply lonely. Loneliness is part of our world for those who are single oftentimes. And I absolutely believe that a person who's single needs to have the kind of relationship with God that takes away their loneliness because they're so in love with their heavenly father. But most or many will marry, create families, and when they do, families need to be in agreement with God's basic design for families. And this is the challenge that the church is facing and what we're talking about today. The world is currently of a mindset that is constantly challenging God's will confirming concerning families. Now let me lay out for you what I think are the biggest challenges today as far as families. And these are in some sense simple or sound simplistic You may even think, because I lay them out so simply here, he can't possibly be right. Well, I would say there's at least the possibility that I'm right. (laughs) I would say that scripture actually reveals something to us about families and the way they're supposed to be. And the fact is we get so many confusing messages, so many mixed messages messages that today I want to speak frankly and very straightforwardly and I've chosen my words carefully and so I want you to hear what I say and not what I don't say I can't possibly give scriptural support for everything I'm saying today we just don't have time but I would be glad to talk to any of you about any of the points I make and about the biblical texts that teach what I'm talking about so here I think are the biggest challenges that face the world today in terms of family. Here's the first one. The world says the idea of family is a natural development. And so changing it or distorting it is a decision based in nature. Go ahead and change it. And that's what we've seen, especially in the last 40 years or so in North America. We have completely changed the definition and the style of what it means to be family. And I would say that this is a distortion. Because according to scripture, according to what we read in Genesis chapter 2, God designed what family is. And rather than changing it, we need to try and live up to it. We need to teach the succeeding generations about what God has designed in terms of family. I know we have dysfunctional families. I know we have blended families. I know that families are different than they used to be. Sometimes kids have several people they call father or mother. We have half-sisters and half-brothers. We have all kinds of different relationships than what we used to have. And in fact, that has become the norm. And by the way, if you think, well, what would Kelly know about this? I know a lot about this. All you have to do is look at my extended family, starting with my immediate family, but then moving on from there, the whole Carter family, my brother, my, my father had six, bro, or sorry, five brothers and six sisters. There were 12 of them, 12 kids in his family. It is a total train wreck. It's a disaster. Don't ever have 12 kids. <laughs> the point is, is that when I look at their lives, And I don't know if any of them will ever get online and listen to this. If if they do, then they're going to say, boy, did he ever put us down? Well, there's a sense in which I am. 
They have totally blown it. They are so out of step with the way that God wants them to live and his plan for families. It's unbelievable. I know all about this stuff and I have dealt with all of you. And you know all about it too. And so I know that that's where our world is at. That does not mean that that's where God wants us. We have no God-granted privilege to change the idea of family. Because we live in community with others, we may have to tolerate the distortions of God's plan for family, but we should not redefine what God has defined, and neither should it simply become acceptable to us that families get distorted in our world. And the question again is, are we going to be in agreement with God on this thing or are we not? Because somebody out there could be thinking, well, who are you to define what a family is supposed to be? You're right, I'm not. But I didn't. I didn't define anything. I just go to scripture and ask the question, what does God want a family to be? And it seems fairly clear to me in scripture what God wants a family to be. Our world today is saying, no, let's not do it that way. Let's just change it. And I just don't see where the world has that kind of authority. If God created this, he has a plan for how he wants things to be. The second thing is this. The world says sex outside of monogamous marriage relationships between men and women is acceptable. According to scripture, the experience of sex with another person should be reserved for marriage. People are to become one flesh physically in the context of marriage. And that means, boys and girls, you should be a virgin when you get married. That's staggering. I was talking to Michael this week about this subject. And Michael said, you know, for about a year or whatever it was, a few months, he worked uh, before he got into Connections Church and back into full-time ministry here in Canada, he worked as a construction worker in Saskatchewan. He's working with a bunch of guys, and they're talking about all their escapades on the weekend, talking about having sex with all kinds of different people. And at one point, Michael says, you know, the only person I've ever had sex with is my wife. <gasps> what? Like, what are you thinking, just having sex with one person? What are you thinking, just having sex with your spouse? Like, what fun is that? And that's because people have so distorted the picture of what it means to be what God wants us to be. What it means to be family. What it means to have relationship with another. And so they have ridiculous expectations about what one should do. And they think our expectations are ridiculous. That's why the world says to families, don't expect your children when they grow up to just be pure. You can't expect teenagers today to not have sex before marriage. That's a ridiculous expectation. Instead, let's make sure that if they're going to, they're going to do it safely. Well, I would say we need to give our kids more credit than that. That maybe they want to do what God wants them to do. And let's give them better help and better advice than that. The fact is, is that premarital sex is not inevitable. Our children are not animals. It is actually an avoidable choice that both the young and old who are not married are free to make if their characters are shaped by the Holy Spirit. So let's help them be shaped 
by God's will rather than accepting the world's perspective on that one. And let's tell them that sex is reserved for marriage. That seems to me a good idea. And I think that our children are just capable of hearing that marriage and actually living up to it. Here's a third message from the world. Marriage and sexuality should not have to occur, should not have to occur just between a man and a woman. And you know exactly what I mean. It can refer to relationships that are homosexual. And the fact is that scripture teaches exactly the opposite. You'll notice that I said up above, look at this. The world says sex outside of monogamous marriage relationships between men and women is acceptable. Well, that raises this whole question of homosexuality. And my opinion is that the world is absolutely mistaken on this one. The practice of homosexual relationships and homosexual marriage is not God's basic design for human beings. Did you notice, and I'm not being facetious here, did you notice that you cannot continue the human race that way? And that God actually wants human beings to continue the human race. He wants them to go forth and multiply. Scripture makes this clear. And so we need to teach, I think, what the Bible has to say about what marriage is supposed to be. Now, unfortunately, the church has done a pathetic job of dealing with this subject. Oftentimes, making those who are same-sex attracted feel like second-class citizens, when the fact is that they're tempted to live sinfully in a way that parallels how heterosexuals are tempted to live sinfully. Both are called to live in line with God's design for families and individuals. The world is wrong about the acceptability of homosexual marriage, which isn't in the eyes of God marriage at all. But the world is also wrong about divorce. The world's also wrong about premarital sex. And about adultery. And these are far bigger problems in the church than homosexuality. Gluttony is a bigger problem in the church than homosexuality. Holding on to bitterness is a bigger problem than homosexuality. Christian disunity is a bigger problem than homosexuality. Gossip and backbiting and judgmentalism and losing your temper are bigger problems than homosexuality. Being unkind in your speech has done way more damage in the kingdom than homosexuality has. Being rude is a bigger problem than homosexuality. And so if you're same-sex attracted, we love you. I love you. I hope you feel as safe here as do those who are tempted by drunkenness. But I want you to not sin. I hope you don't. In the same way that I don't want adulterers to sin or alcoholics to sin. Because that's not God's design for how he wants us to live. And so I hope we are able to choose something different. And to at least live sexually pure as God would want us to live. Fourth point. The marriage relationship does not have to be permanent. Until death shall part us. That's what the world says. And they have distorted what marriage is supposed to be in terms of a lifelong commitment. Because God's design for marriage is lifelong. Did you know, for those of you who may not know this, that the Bible says that God hates divorce? He hates it. 
It violates his design for marriage. Marriage was not designed to be temporary. Now, at the same time, God loves and forgives the divorced in the same way that he loves and forgives the gossip or the glutton or the adulterer or someone who has premarital sex. He can forgive them all. And there are times when divorce is definitely the best course of action. There are times in my ministry when I've actually suggested to people that they get divorced. It was actually, in this case, something that they needed to do. But it's not God's design. That's not his preference. And so I would hope that we would teach against easy divorce, against the idea that this is simply acceptable. If you're divorced, you're not a second-class citizen in our church. If you're divorced, you're just like the rest of us. No different than somebody who fails to give financially to the Lord's work they're sinning to. We human beings commit sin. That's what we do. But divorce shouldn't easily be done. We should not be flippant about the responsibilities of marriage and God's plan for it to be lifelong. And a lot of times the world is simply flippant about marriage. Last point. Children don't have to obey their parents, nor should they be denied. That's a message from the world. I would say, yes, they do have to obey. While we are terrified of squelching our children's self-esteems or creativity, we're allowing them to become self-centered, selfish, spoiled, sinful human beings. Denying your children discipline, refusing to tell them no, giving them everything they want, is denying them a chance to live in a family that measures up to God's design for families. Have the guts to be a parent. Be wise, be gentle, be loving, be consistent, be firm, have standards, and please don't tell people that your children are little angels and they would never do that. Of course they would. They're your children. They're not angels. And you aren't perfect, so they're not going to be perfect. They're human beings. Human beings aren't perfect. Your children can't possibly be the angels that you think they are. We don't think they're angels. And so children need to have parents who act as parents and expect their children to obey. But the world today seems to say, no, that's not very important. Well, my final point really is that we aren't perfect. Sometimes we try things the world's way instead of God's way. And it doesn't work. And so I'm talking to a bunch of people today who have tried things the way the world's way. And I'm trying to tell you that it's not God's way and it won't work. The question is, what do we do now? We've blown it. We haven't been at all what God wants us to be. We've made huge mistakes. And so what are we going to do? And isn't this a tragedy that we disagree with how God wants us to do it? Aren't we out of step with God? How do we fix this? Well, I think it's not that hard. I think it's relatively easy. The first thing is bask in his forgiveness. It's what he does. He forgives sinners. You and I sin. We haven't lived up to what God wants for the family, but we can be forgiven. That's what he does. And so if you're divorced, you can be forgiven. If you've had same-sex relationships, you can be forgiven. If you're a drunk and your family's destroyed because of that and it's been dysfunctional, you can be forgiven. That's what God does. He loves you. He loves you. I love you. We love you. Experience his forgiveness.
Because he wants to forgive you. And second, make choices now that fit best with God's design. The way that Jesus would put it is, Jesus would say if he was standing here, go and sin no more. And it sounds overly simplistic, and we don't have time this morning to go into all the nuances of all the decisions that we have to make with our families. But at least let us try to follow God in this and not the way of the world. God has a design for the way he wants families to be. And we have an obligation as his children to live that way. And when we do, we will be in agreement with God. And things are going to work better.